Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody doing? Hope you're all doing good because I am. And you know, if it's Suicide Pages, we're going to have a nice story for you. A story of survival, a story of conquering, a story of victory. And today is not any different. We have none other than Miss Haley Stanton all the way from across the pond. I am so excited because she's got the perfect British accent. And you just want to listen to her all day. Well, you don't get all day, but you get a whole hour with me. So without further ado, let's introduce Miss Haley Stanton. She's going to be talking about how she was once a very shy butterfly who shied away from everything. And at one point, it looks like most of her life was ruled by fear, fear of speaking fear of being just fear of doing anything because she was so shy but believe it or not as bad as that was she came out on top because today she dares to be a public speaker what and she's a coach and she does all these fancy things and she's creating and raising awareness for people which is what we need right so we can take away the stigma and the silence and the shame of anything that has to do with mental illness. So without further ado, Ms. Haley, thank you so much for joining us on Suicide Pages. Thank you for agreeing to write on your own page. And thank you for finding me on LinkedIn. So y'all, LinkedIn works. Yay. Welcome. Good evening, I guess. Thank you. There, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's late. Yeah, so thank you very much. It's lovely to be here chatting to you. And um, yeah, great introduction. Thanks. Oh, well. I mean, <laughs> it feels very funny to be called a public speaker. Yeah, but you know what? That's what you are. If you talk to more than one person, that's public, right? Yeah. And if you dare to go to schools like you're doing, which is amazing because that's what I do too. I mostly speak at schools. This is fantastic. That's where we need the message, right? Because you were 16 and I don't want to, yeah. you know, spoil the story. I want you to own this. So, but you know, once upon a time, didn't you wish that someone came and spoke to you when you were going through what you were going through? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it so that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. So where do you want to start, ma'am? Do you want to start from when your parents met before you were, you know, born? Do you want to talk about when you were a kindergarten? Where do you want to start? Oh, oh yeah. That's, oh, well, I was a really shy kid. I was, you know, I think my mom was always apologizing for how shy I was. <laughs> um, and 
as I grew up, I think I just got a lot of messages that actually being quiet and introverted wasn't a good thing to be. And I became very socially anxious and very aware that I didn't quite fit in. And um, by the time I was in secondary school, I was, well, even primary school, actually, I was avoiding all situations that I could that would, would put me out there in the center of attention. So PE was a no-no. That was absolutely terrible. Um, anytime we had to do a presentation, I would be ill. And if I wasn't actually physically ill, I would be faking illness and I'd have a lot of time off school. Um, yeah, so... I, I even remember having a group of friends at the door to call for me one day and I was ducking down under the window and like crawling along the floor so they didn't see me because I didn't want to go out with the group. Wow. Uh, it would have been all right if it was just one person but not the group of people. <laughs> wow. Did you, do you, uh, first of all, let me go back a little bit. Are you an only child or do you have siblings? No, I've got a younger sister, three years younger than me. Does she also have something similar to that? Like, is this like a family does this one in the family type thing or? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I can see that in my mum and dad, there are elements of fear, particularly with my mum. And I think, I think we learned to cope in different ways, to be honest. My sister seemed to turn to drink a lot earlier than me um, and boys. And I was like, uh, you know, I didn't kiss a guy until I was what, 17. Um, and really drunk. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yes, yeah, she managed to, and I, actually, I, I think I was very jealous of her because she seemed to be getting on with her life okay <laughs> when she was younger and, like, yeah. hitting these milestones before I did. Mm -hmm. And um, you can imagine how that feels. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think she was struggling just as much as me, but coping mm -hmm. in a very different way. I was very mm -hmm. studious and I had to achieve and get good grades and be the perfect student, the good little girl. And um, she would, seemed a bit more rebellious. Wow. Yep, that, that word overachiever comes up a lot. Overachiever, you're trying to overcompensate. Like, I'll do everything just to not have to deal with X or Y. That's that is that is a true statement. And so coming from a family where, well, you're not, you know, all extroverts at all, I can completely understand how that could be a huge burden. Were you ever bullied as a result of that? If anyone has heard me speaking, they know that I'm all about, I'm totally anti-bullying, as you know, but yeah. were you ever bullied to compound that situation already? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I was, and I think I think I attracted it because of my quiet nature. I I moved primary school once because of bullying, and then I was bullied in my second primary school. And uh, I remember my mum took me to the head teacher once because of it, and he said to me, "Oh well, she is from a privileged background, as if that made it okay for her to treat me like that, and nothing was done about it." So you know, yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, another message that um, you know, she's more important than me. I'm not good enough <laughs> so I, yeah I can see the shock look on your face oh, I, I know how long ago did you go to high school oh my god oh well I'm 30, 31 now so that was a, quite a few years ago but, but no um, I know after, that was a rhetorical question in the sense that I, I can understand maybe in the 1910s or the 1840s mm. but what because you're young I'm just saying oh, like, yeah. that was gross you know what I say sometimes, if you have nothing good to say, hush your mouth. Just don't say anything. Yeah. That poor little girl who's hurting 
has just been bullied by those who feel like they can for whatever reason. And actually, next week's podcast, and I know the listeners don't know when this was recorded, but the one coming out, episode 11, I'm talking about bullying and suicide. And I'm actually going to talk about the who is the bully. It's your child. Everybody thinks it's someone else's child. No, it's your child. It's yours and my child. You know what I mean? Like, these are real people. They have either been bullied or they just have a sense of entitlement. Like, well, you know, I can because I can. Like, seriously? Wow. How did you cope? How did that make you feel? Oh, just, I, I think it just made me feel like I didn't matter that, you know, it's people, other people can treat me how they want and there's no consequences and I'm the one that has to bend and, and move schools and, you know, I've already moved schools once, there's nowhere else for me to go really. So I just had to put up with it until she was in the year above me. So she left and it was a little bit easier then, um, but not too easy because I was in a, you know, class full of mainly boys and that was very difficult for me. Wow. But you did mention something. You mentioned the fact that you missed school. And that's one of the points I want to point out. One of the things I want to point out. A lot of parents that don't know if their child is being bullied. One of the things you can, you can, that can draw your attention to, could she be bullied? Could he be bullied? Is if the child is docking school, especially if they're having somatic symptoms, i.e. stomach pain, leg pain, whatever pain during the school days, like on the, on the weekdays. Was that the situation with you by any chance, ma'am? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was very, very sickly child, always nausea and vomiting and all, you know, at least saying that I had that going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, it was the bullying and also it was the expecting these awful situations to be occurring where I was going to have to be centre of attention, like just getting a child to stand up in front of the class and recite their um, times table, for example. I, I did it so fast one day that I was, you know, say, saying the word sex instead of six and wow. everyone was laughing at me. And, oh, you know, goodness. And that's not what I, you wanted. That's exactly not what you wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember that teacher who said about me, or the, um, my bully being a privileged coming from a privileged background he sent me a message on LinkedIn not that long ago and said oh you're doing very well for yourself and um I think he was very surprised and I just thought oh I'm not even going to respond to that exactly you're not going to because it's not worth it it's just that's like pulling up a scab and no we're not even gonna and hopefully your silence spoke volumes yeah silence spoke volumes like i can you know what you're a much better person than i am because i would have words for him okay so yes you're better than me now going back to that because i really want us to stay there for a minute linger there for a while so essentially we have this little girl who is already like a shy introverted person afraid already and then we have a bully compounded but your mother took you to the principal or head of the school at what point did your mom and your dad start thinking, can we go to the doctor instead? Did they ever do that? No, no, I don't think they ever did take me to the doctor for it. Um, no, and, and it wasn't until I actually overdosed that I got any intervention at all. Okay, we're not, we're not even in that department yet. What, you overdosed? Oh, goodness. Okay, give me a timeline because I'm thinking you're in elementary school slash high school at this point when your parents took you to the um yes yeah, so i was just talking about my experience in primary school so i what's the wow. equivalent of that where you are <laughs> well yeah it's the same thing as elementary school yes ma'am we have elementary yeah. school now i went to school in nigeria which is under the british system 
So we had primary school and secondary school. Yeah. Um, but in America, they have elementary school, which is primary school. Then they have middle school, which okay. we now just recently have in Nigeria. And then we have high school. But the British system is elementary, is primary and then secondary and, of course, university. So where are we in your life now with this? Yeah, so that takes us up to about age 10. Um, yeah, and, and then transitioning into secondary school, it's, oh, I came from this tiny little primary school that it, it basically looked like a little bungalow that someone could live in <laughs> and um, went to the secondary school and it was huge and it was really scary and intimidating and oh yeah, then you've got all new people to to deal with and and you've got adolescents knocking on the door right your oh, body's yeah, changing yeah. oh wow yeah. Hayley, insecurities Haley, you have painted a very green but clear picture for me so we have a child who's extremely shy who was in a very small school and then we take you from there where you, you were already very insecure and then boom into a huge middle school or well high school in this case and then we've got body changes with hormones we've got boys noticing you right yeah and i then, guess <laughs> no I, i'm just saying yeah we've got your body changes we've got the huge school we've got new people we've got boys we've got all kinds of attention and the one thing you don't want is attention i don't want attention at all oh, eh? <laughs> goodness gracious how did you cope i have to ask how did you oh. My my go-to coping strategy was avoiding and I would do anything to get out of having to do presentations. Um, yeah, I, I remember just being red-faced in front of the class and like totally freezing, not being able to get my words out and stuttering and just the whole class bursting into laughter because oh, of it. God. So I, it was just like, I imagined this, the, this, the, the, presentations to be a horrific experience and then I went up there you know obviously in fight and flight to begin with and then I had a horrific experience oh, and it just you know made it worse and worse yes. every time yeah so so there's you know the, the aspects of having to get up and do presentations and all this public speaking at school and then also being called upon in class to answer questions and some teachers were worse than others some people um, know that you're having a hard time and therefore they pick on you yeah oh yeah definitely yeah i can I, th I think there were a couple of teachers that were also bullies and i particularly remember a, a science teacher who was terrible and she would always pick on me and i'd always have the same kind of freeze response whenever she asked me a question and i just couldn't like i knew the answers yes. i was you know i might have lived might have missed a fair bit of school but I studied really hard at home so I was getting good grades yes and um you know I knew the answers but when she asked me I couldn't come up with them my brain wasn't working I was frozen mm -hmm. and um you know I remember this one situation where she asked me uh, about a question about the reproductive system and I did my usual and I could answer and then she goes see this is what happens when you're embarrassed to talk about sex oh my god so, yeah, just a, you know. And you still remember it, of course. That was oh, yeah, it was traumatizing. Verbatim, yes, you remember everything that is said. Wow, I am so sorry for all this work, for all this work. Wow. How did you come out of that? Oh, I don't know that, 
I don't know, I think throughout secondary school, I just went down and down and down. Mm. Um, and what I sort of followed my friends to college. After, um, I did what they were doing because you know, they did health and social care and I found that I was good at it at GCSE level. So I just followed them and did that without really any thought as to what I wanted to do in life. So it was and, just like um, autom automated. You're just like, okay, my friends are going, so I'm going to go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the safety is. That's what I'm going to do. Wow. And um, yeah, so it was the same story at college and I was still avoiding. Um, I can remember having a presentation one day and I walked to college. I almost got there and then I turned around and walked home. And I ended up doing the presentation to one member of staff and it was still just as bad as having done it to the entire class because then I like, I knew that he knew I'd been avoiding it. Okay. So at this point I have to go, I have to go back a little bit. Tell me about your friends. Did they at least help make your life easier? Please tell me yes, because some, somebody had to have been your respite a little bit. We don't even want to talk about dating yet because we're going to get there. But I want to, <laughs> I want to hear from, because this is so good for me. It's going to help me so much in my practice. Just knowing, even if I haven't been there, just hearing from someone who's, oh my God, tell me the role your friends played because it seems like they saved you a little bit today. Yeah, yeah. So I would say I had a, a small friendship group, um, but part of that group was like, there were one or two people who were really kind and took the time to get to know me and they became close friends. So, but there was only like one or two of those. And then within the group, there was other people that were their friends, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I, I can remember one, you know, like my best friend's friend started saying about how I really annoy her because I'm so quiet and I never say anything and she got really really angry about it um and my friend did stick up for me that was at good. that point yeah um yeah I think I just I saw my friends as also being very confident and intelligent and you know things that I wanted to be and and getting on with their lives um yeah again I love those yeah i love what you just said because i think i'm guilty of it in the sense that my wife is very quiet very reserved very very i don't know that she's shy but i could see her being shy and um but she's extremely reserved and i'm like why can't you just say something why don't you just you know and she's like i just don't want to but i've never thought about her like you, like, I'm going to have a conversation with her today. Thank you so much. Because I know Aww. it's important for me to ask her. And I'm sure she's going to say, yes, you've been mean. But I didn't know. Does that make sense? I didn't even know uh, yeah. from when she came and from when she comes. I don't know that. But now you tell me. And I see that there might have been days where she just wants to come home and just come in the room and just get in the bed and just watch TV. She's very happy doing it. She's not mad at anybody. It's just her. Yeah. She's, she's just happy that way. And to yeah. me, I'm like, why don't you come out and hang out with the family? Why don't you just come out and be with us? And she just doesn't want to. Yeah. I feel quite overwhelmed when I'm in a, a bigger group of people. Okay. She, she does okay with people that she knows. Yeah. 
She does look at people that she knows, her family members, her close siblings and whatever. She does very well. She will also be one of those who maybe a, a shot or two will help her feel better. Oh, yes. Come out a little bit. So when she starts giggling a little bit too much, I know she's okay. She's been drinking a little bit. So that's, that's good to know. But going back a little bit, because she's so private and I'm such an extrovert, it's like sometimes I'm just like, can't you just, just come? And she's like, I just don't want to come. But now I know, and I've, I've known already, but now I'm going to come with a different, I don't know, from a different angle and just, okay, I understand. It's okay if you don't want to go, which I already do, but I'm just yeah. going to keep on doing that because she, when she wants to go, she does go. But for yeah. the most part, she would rather not. <laughs> rather not. And I'm all the way at the other end of it. I'm, let's go. Where are we? Where's, where's the party? At? Okay, let's go. Oh, no, don't worry. I, just had, I know I just had surgery, but... um. Can I just come up and sit? You know, it's like, that's me. But yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And I think it is really hard, uh, particularly for people who are socially anxious, that other people don't really get it. I mean, it seems so easy to just strike up a conversation with someone or, you know, to, to speak up in class or get on a bus, whatever it is. It's like other people are, are finding this really easy to do. And then it compounds that shame that we feel that we, are struggling with this and makes you want to hide it all the more and I just ended up feeling like I was totally defective like there was something deeply mm. wrong with me and I didn't know it was social anxiety I didn't know that there was anything I could do about it so I guess coming back to that I'm glad you said the word now maybe it's time to tackle it so and this is so good because I, I, I tarried a little bit I wanted you to bring out all of that because there will be somebody I know in the world listening to you and saying that is me. I know that. And so I needed to go down and keep going and keep going only because I needed someone to hear that that is me. So now coming out of there, now making the diagnosis and treatment, at what point, should we talk about that? Or you want to talk about the OD? Where do you want to go? Do you want to talk about making the diagnosis and treatment? Or do you want to talk about OD? Because in the, in the, at the beginning, before we started recording, you said you didn't even get a, a someone like a therapist that even like understood or recognized. So there's so yeah. many facets. Can you tell my mind? My mind is just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's... I want to talk about making the diagnosis. I want to talk about medication or treatment or management. I want to talk about dating if possible. And I, and I definitely want to talk about the OD. Okay. So I'm currently at college in this story, right? So I'm avoiding everything and then I leave college and I have two choices. I can either go to university or I can go and get a job. And going to university is a no-no for me. I'm absolutely terrified of the idea of going away, having to live with people, having to make friends and the idea of not being accepted and being lonely and oh, it just filled me with so much fear. And then the other option, getting a job, I was, you know, desperately looking for a job where I could hide in the background and of like course... Like a radiologist, like a radiologist, yeah, you get to stay in the dark room by yourself. You well, that would have been perfect if yeah, I could have just walked into that job. Exactly, but you couldn't, even be a, you couldn't even be a photographer because you have to go out and take pictures first before you go to your dark room. But a radiologist, yeah. you have to first go to med school. Yes. And then you're safe in your room. So, hey, you know what? There's no way around it. <laughs> no, there's so many people and so much of this social interaction to do and being seen and, you know, and that was my worst fear, being seen. So 
I was purposefully sabotaging my job applications. I, you know, I'm writing them with my non-dominant hand, missing what? off my grades. Yeah, to just make sure that I didn't get a job interview. Um, and I carried this on for a while and, you know, just to, you know, keep, keep getting my benefits in. And um, eventually I, yeah, it just got too much and I realized that I couldn't continue like this and I just felt totally hopeless and by this time like my friends had trickled away um and I just felt like I was being a burden and you know my mum was a single parent and she was having financial difficulties and I felt like I should be contributing and um yeah so I think I felt like I was totally hopeless, like I couldn't change, this is just the way I was and I was defective and I didn't fit in anywhere in the world. So I didn't feel like I belonged, didn't have that sense of friendship around me. Um, I, I definitely didn't picture me having a relationship or a family ever. Um, and yeah, I, then I felt like I was a burden on my own family as well. So I then I overdosed. Um, and my mum walked in while I was doing it and took wait, me... Wait, wait, girl, you know we have to go there for a little bit. So this was just a random day or did something trigger it? And I, and I don't mean to... If you don't want to talk about it, that's completely fine. Please understand me. I just want to know, was it like, did something trigger it that maybe that day, that particular day, something you were just exhausted or did you have a particularly bad day? I don't... I don't think it was a particularly bad day. I think it was just a build up of everything and, and the hopelessness and just the really dark place I was in. And I just didn't see a way out. Um, and you had just, yeah. you had just had it. That was it. You had just had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think it was just in it like, you know, absolutely hysterical crying fit and, you know. Sorry. So how did your mom, what happened? Um, it is a bit of a blur, to be honest. Good. But... <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I can you remember my... Memories, those thoughts intruding your mindset every day, all day. Wow. Yeah, yeah my mum would have taken me to A&E. And um, I can remember my dad being there. My sister and her boyfriend almost crashed as they were driving there, trying to get there quickly. Um, so there was a lot of guilt about having brought my broken family together in this way um exactly. and when i was in the emergency room the um emergency nurse he said to me did you do this for attention uh, you know what did you the second person talking about this today like really you see oh i for help like yeah if i had done it for attention then there would be something wrong to look at anyway um but no, so, attention but, was... But you are right about that. And you're right. A cry for help is a cry for help. That's what it is. Yeah. So indeed, if you did it for attention, there's a reason you need the attention. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's okay for those who understand it that way. Yeah. I don't want the rest of the world to think attention-seeking as per, I have nothing else better to do. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, like it's a belittling it or is a negative, like look at how long it took for you to get there. Look at yeah. all the story you've, point, you've painted for us so far. And then you get there and someone dare say it's just some kind of, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I hear it from my clients now that this is the question that they're asked too. And, you know, I've said being seen was my worst fear. The very last thing I wanted was attention. So it just, I've been exactly, asked that. Exactly, exactly. In your case, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it just leads you to shut down. Um, so, yeah, I think my dad, bless him, he didn't know how to handle it. His response was, it's, you know, you've got to pull yourself together. Um, I can remember being referred to a, a CPN and she, I remember her being very lovely. Um, what is an SCPN? A CPN, a, a clinical psychiatric nurse. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and I don't remember the conversations between us, but I do remember her being very warm and lovely and safe and probably if I'd had more time to talk to her, then I would have opened up a lot more. Wow. Um, but it, you don't get that much time with these people. So you, don't, you don't get a lot of time to mm. develop that security before you open up, oh, um, wow. which is exactly what people who feel so Exactly, which is exactly why I'm doing my, I'm, I'm, I started my practice. The, the, I'm doing the model that I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what they call a direct primary care, whereby I don't accept health insurance because health insurance mandates you to do 10 to 15 minutes per visit. Well, this way I'm, I can spend an hour two hours if I need to because sometimes you need that much time yeah. to know what's going on even and then yeah. how can we help you and then we help you you yes. know so that's amazing so were you, were you able to see her on a on a regular basis or no um I was referred then to a counselor who worked within my GP practice and I can remember her trying to direct the conversation towards specific events that had happened in my life that they were traumatizing, but they were not the reason that I wanted to end my life. I get it. I get it. She was trying to blame it on those events, which of course, in a way they added to the bucket. I mean, we're not going to They laugh. added. Yeah. 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 But, but the um, primary diagnosis for you was just social anxiety. You just well, yeah, I, I, st I still didn't have a diagnosis at this point. Oh, it was you had just, not been diagnosed. So no. how did the visit go then? When you went to the emergency room, what was the outcome of that? Just the, it, the LPCN? Yeah, yeah. It was just referring me to the, the mental health team. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with this, this counsellor and she is directing me to talking about these events in my life that I don't necessarily want to talk about. They're definitely not the problem. The problem is me. The problem is I don't like myself and I don't see how I fit in. Um, and I feel like I'm just totally defective. And um, so she tells me, or my response then is the standard, I'm going to shut down and I can't talk to you because this isn't a safe space anymore. Um, and she says to me, well, you obviously don't want my help then. Otherwise, you'd be talking to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, you know, I have an episode coming up that I'm going to do that is on getting the wrong kind of help and this, yeah. this yours is it, I, I i feel like i should record that tonight just because yours is so fresh in my mind yeah i have nothing better to say don't say anything yeah yeah so again I, we, my mum, of course rang up the doctor and said what had happened and that i wasn't getting on with her and he said well she's the best that we have and that was the end of my treatment then oh my god <laughs> so um yeah, then from there, um, my mum reconnected me with a friend. And from there, I, I reconnected with other friends. Um, I started using a lot of alcohol in my life. Um, 
just so that I could get out there and socialize a bit um and yeah eventually I did manage to get myself a job and started to do the things that I felt I needed to do um the feelings were still there the fear was still there I was you know just managing it a lot with the the alcohol and and just living with the fear I guess um yeah and what happened where am I <laughs> you were you were at you know how after the attempt and mm. you're now doing somewhat better because you've got some kind of automated life basically you go to work but you're still living with the fear yeah yeah I, I think by this point I'm feeling a little bit more connected with people and I have that sense of of hope um and I think as long as there was that hope then it kept me from trying anything like that again um so yeah I, I became far more connected with some friends again um got into employment and uh eventually I started working in the NHS um I found that I had some issues with colleagues again issues with being seen and um you know trying to hide away and and um I loved working down the other end of the ward where people weren't you know <laughs> gathering at the desk and and again I couldn't be seen um yeah and I think eventually I got to the point where my manager put me forward to do a um, foundation degree that would have led to me being an assistant practitioner so kind of like a nurse but without the responsibility of medications and um, I was I was terrified doing it and I worked with a counsellor at the time who I can remember sitting with her in the dark on a night shift once and saying about how I felt and um, she was the one really that convinced me to to give it a go and just just try it and when I did it I found that I could do presentations I obviously learned to manage that anxiety a bit better use breathing techniques and things um, I found that I was getting when I actually decided to give it a go I was getting better grades than I thought I would it was still a horrific experience but I could do it um yeah that's great did you ever did you ever like end up on medication no no I didn't um I've, I've had antidepressants but um the yeah I was the doctor diagnosed with with depression but I totally missed the fact that I had social anxiety wow I guess I do have to ask a couple more questions because you've, you've done great so far, just so you know, by the way. Thank you. It's been awesome. I know they can't see you, so that's good for you. You're, you're home <laughs> and comfortable. It's been amazing. I want to know, did you ever date? Did you ever, you know, get out of that part and maybe get <laughs> married and, you know, I don't know, have children maybe? Ah, oh, that's a really interesting question because I've done some research and you know, I've had forty odd year old women contact me and go, I've I've never been kissed and it is it feels really it's heartbreaking um to go through life and not have that connection. Um so I can remember when I was fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, and my friends had told me that the guy I liked was gonna ask me to the prom and I was like, No, that's not gonna happen and um and then he called my name. 
as I was walking into the uh, building and I just totally ignored him and I ran away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um that was my my approach to to dating when I was younger. Oh my um God. and then it was dating in amongst the alcohol um you know I had to be drunk it was all about the going out going clubbing and and you know being so drunk that I was doing ridiculous things couldn't remember what I was doing and felt like I've been a total fraud and then I've got to live up to this extroverted persona that I perhaps put on when I was in alcohol um yeah um yeah, I, I can remember having, I think I only went on a couple of dates and there was this one guy who I really liked that had asked me out and I was getting ready to go out and I was in my 20s at this point and I was just so nervous. I was again on the drink and then I thought, oh, I'm, I'm far too drunk now and I went and made myself some pasta and like ate all the pasta oh. to try and soak some of it up and then you fell asleep. you fall asleep oh no i didn't i did make it out to the day okay good um yeah and then he plied me with more drink so, <laughs> oh, so i don't know how good that date was to be honest <laughs> wow. he did ask me out again oh well there you go that's your answer right there that's exactly how we went oh well, I'm just so glad that he didn't take advantage of you because some men will. They're like, okay, she's so inebriated. Yeah. Let's um, make her regret it or something. You know, men are, yeah. not, not only men, and I'm not trying to bash men, but it is what it is because yeah. we, we know men that have done it. So I'm just glad that, you know, in as much as he didn't call you back to me, maybe it was for the better because some bad things have happened to too many people that I know, including myself. So yeah. I, I didn't drink alcohol. I never did, but. I was sober and yet I was raped. So in med school, so yeah. Well, the um, the first boyfriend that I had, um, he, I, th I was seventeen, and he, you know, he was he was asking me for sex, and I would say no, 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 and um, he persisted, and I said I don't know, and then he just did it. Yeah. Oh my god! So um, I had no idea that that was part of the story. Oh my goodness! No, I know you didn't. Of course, no. Um, but it was like you, I, I actually had my mum was in the house, my friend was in the house. There were people there. I could have shouted, but that would have been worse for me than just letting it happen because of you know the the shame and everything attached to it. And I didn't want my friends and my mum to know. Well, what was going on yeah. so for me I was I want I was keeping quiet and that seemed like the the safest thing for me to do at the time again um, we're talking about the same person who has difficulty with people period yeah. you know and so screaming and shouting whereas everybody's like why didn't she scream that would yes. have been that would have meant attention which you yeah. are just averse to yeah wow. and I actually found out that this guy had been sleeping with um someone else who was underage who was a friend of mine and she wanted it to stop so she went to the police and I shared my story with the police as well and they were like well where's your bruises where's your evidence so yeah that's <sighs> I'm so sorry you know your life should be a book I hope you're working on writing a book miss I will one day <laughs> because there are people that need to hear it I know I yeah. had a friend of mine 
ask if I was going to like compile all my stories and like write one big book. And I said, I might not oh, me only, but even all my clients, just because some people might want to have a book to read, you know, basically we're just going to have everything we've talked about. Just, um, we'll take it to those people who can transcribe and just transcribe it into words. And that's, and that's your book right there. Who knows? But thank you so much for sharing. I, uh, I, I know it's hard. I, I can't believe, I can't. The more I talk about the fact that I was sexually molested and I was raped, the more I talk about it, the less I feel the shame. But every time I yeah. talk about it, I still feel like, <laughs> but I, yeah. I have to keep going. I don't want to not talk about it because doctors get raped. Human beings get raped. People like me better than me. Oprah got raped. I mean, come on, you know? So I'm okay with talking about mine, baby steps. And the more I talk about it, the better I, I am at it. I yeah. um, reached out to the gentleman, as a matter of fact, and told him. And then I unfriended him out of Facebook, but I told him, and then I unfriended him. So, and I, I feel like I'm done. That's gone. Forgiveness is yeah. about you, not about the person. So it is. I'm done. So, yeah. And it is well. still really important to talk about it. And, yes. you know, at, Right wouldn't and have been a good guilt because I did not. That. I did not ask him to rape me. He no. to like. Uh, I'm not going to be dealing with that guilt. Yeah, I can't. I have to move on. But you know, we are at the mark. So, do you have any words of encouragement for us? That's one. And then number two, do you have any favorite quotes? And then number three, where can the people find you? So three things: words of encouragement, favorite quotes, and where can we find you? Um, yeah, I think what helps me is believing that I can change, that I am not a socially anxious person. I just experience social anxiety at times and it comes and goes and it's not always there and it's not a part of me. It's just how I've learned to cope with life. Um, I love that. So believing that I can change, that is very, very powerful. I had someone else say something similar, but not quite. You know, you just have to get that mindset. I think she was about leaving the space. Just leave that space that brings you so much negativity and harm and all that. Just leave that space. But you're about, I also believe in myself that I can and I will change. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Thank you so much. So believing that I can change. I love that. And a favorite quote, so that's a, that's a deep quote on his own already. Was yeah. that your favorite quote or was that your, your encouragement? What's your encouragement? Yeah. Um, my favorite quote is from Brene Brown and it's about choosing courage over comfort. And it's something that I challenge myself to do um, you know, every, every day, sharing my story, um, just having tough conversations when I need to, just doing what I what's right to do rather than what's easy. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that. That is so powerful. Haley, you are you are on fire today. I love it. So choosing what's right better than what's easy. Is that what you said? Choosing how did you say how did you put it? Yeah, it's choosing courage over comfort. Doing no, I got that right one. I got that easy. So yeah. right, choosing what's right versus what's easy, yes. I got yes. that. Yes. And of course, where can people find you? I mean, you're, you're working with a big place that's making a change in people's lives, adolescents' lives, which is really important to me. Yeah, so I run Quiet Connections, um, which is a social enterprise in Cornwall. So we've got a website, quietconnections.co.uk. And we are on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram as well. 
So quietconnections.k as in kilo.uk. Co.uk. Co, C-O, okay. Yeah. All right, thank you. Fantastic. Well, I mean, did I leave anything out? Do you have any questions for me or how are you feeling? Are you feeling good about this? Yeah, yeah. It's always good to share your story and you know that there's other people out there who are feeling alone and also feeling defective like I was. And when they hear stories like this, then they know that actually they are, you know, they're normal. And, and yeah, again, they can change. They can look at what I've achieved and what other people have achieved. And like you said, I'm doing public speaking. I've done like Dragon's Den style pitches and things. And my younger self would just be amazed at the things that ah, I've achieved. So That is good. Actually, yeah, I never would have thought I might, I might add to my questions. What would you tell your younger self? Because a lot of the people I've spoken to have been through so much trauma as a younger person. So what would you yeah. tell your younger self, ma'am? Uh, it would be that you can do more than you think you can and just try. Wow. I got to write that down. Wow. You can do what now? You can do more than you think you can. That is amazing. Yeah. And also to know that anxiety isn't something that you shouldn't have like it it's a perfectly normal human emotion and pretty much everyone experiences it yes. anxiety and self-doubt and we just don't realize it because people come across very confident and you know we we just don't see that part of it and we think that, that we're true. abnormal because of it that is true and that's one thing i i, I usually share with me houston's story the voice with me houston the one and only Every time before she went on stage, she had major, major meltdown and anxiety and stomach problems and just butterflies and, oh my God, I'm not good enough. What? Whitney? You? Yes, me. I'm not good enough. But well, you're Whitney. I know, but I'm, you know, so she went through the same thing. Yeah. And if she can push through that fear and, and do it sure anyway, did. then so can we. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And that is, to me, the best place to end this. It has been amazing. I hope you had fun talking about it. I know it was dark, but you know we were focusing on the light, and so we have to yes. go through the darkness to come to the light. And so, when I tell people that my podcast is it's a heavy topic, but I can't think of anyone that can carry it. I know for for a fact that I can carry this podcast because I'm not going to make it as heavy, because I do know that. It can be overwhelming, but we have to find a way to smile through it, to laugh through it, to doggone fake it till we make it, you know, if we have to. But I'm a, I appreciate you coming and sharing your story. And let me know if you ever want to come back, Haley. Amazing story about social anxiety disorder. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard Miss Haley Stanton put it down on the table for us today. She came, she shared about her struggles from as little as she can remember struggling with social anxiety and being afraid and just living with fear most of her life until something, someone triggered the fact that she could do all of the things that she thought she couldn't do. And slowly but surely, she started doing them and she started doing them. And now today, most importantly, she is helping other people, shining the light on their path for them and holding their hands as they walk through unsteady steps and through all the cobblestones, but indeed towards 
victory. So thank you all so much for hanging out with me, Dr. Lulu, aka The Momatrician, on Suicide Pages, the podcast. God bless y'all. I'll see y'all later. Miss Haley, you want to say goodbye real quick? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Lulu. That's been great. Thank you. Thank Bye, you. everybody. <laughs> Bye, Miss Haley. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone. Peace out. Be good now. Don't forget to be kind, okay?